without further ado, let's get into the sermon. Let me open up with a word of prayer here before we study the Word of God. I thank our musicians here. We appreciate you guys. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. We pray, God, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak, that they would glorify your name, that they would lift up and edify the believers here. We thank you, God, just for the privilege to be in your house. In your name we pray. Amen. Today our text is going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. My sermon is titled, The Power of Faith. It's a, it's a great story here. Now, I'll give you just a minute. My cousin James is always after me to give people a minute to get to the scripture. We kind of cheat when we preach because we've got it all out. We know where we're going to be reading from, so we just jump into it. But what a great gospel. Um, I'm going to pause in, the min in a minute here and, and issue you a challenge, but I would just like to say that some of us here in the church have been doing a yearly Bible reading. We just finished yesterday, praise the Lord. We've been reading through the Bible every day for the last 365 days. And I'm going to encourage you to join us because now we're going to start again here. And so if you'd like to find out about how we're doing that, we're doing it through an app on our phone. For those that don't have that option, we could print off the scripture, but I'll speak about that more here in a little bit. So Mark 2, beginning of verse 1, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. Kind of reminds me of his birth, no room at the end. Now he's got no room at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I hope that our lives, of our lives, it can be said that, People never saw anything like this when they see the work of the Lord in us. It's my prayer for each of us this new year. See, I've always loved this passage, but especially since I've become disabled, it's been of particular interest to me. Undoubtedly, I would love to be physically healed, like the paralytic of pain and mobility issues. If I had a smaller mattress, I'd even try to pick that thing up and walk. <laughs> 
However, there's more to this passage than simply a man just receiving a healing. Like the crowds who flocked everywhere, wherever Jesus was ministering, it can be easy for us to focus solely on our physical needs, neglecting to see that the true purpose of Christ's earthly ministry was to provide a way that we can be healed of the human condition of sin. By way of introduction, we should discuss where it is that Jesus is ministering and why he's why there's so many people there. Jesus headquartered a large part of his ministry in a town called Capernaum. Capernaum was a trading village, about 1,500 people at the time Jesus lived. According to Mark chapter 1, Peter and Andrew had a home in Capernaum, which Jesus used. Coincidentally, I believe that that's that home speaking of in the passage. Capernaum was on the Sea of Galilee, making it a perfect place for location for fishermen such as the Lord's disciples to be making a living. Capernaum was home to a Roman garrison. It was a major trade route, the Via Marie, which went from Damascus, Syria, down the Mediterranean coast to Egypt. So I kind of have no doubt that the Lord chose this place to headquarter his ministry for a time simply because of the number and the flow of people going through there. Unlike the people of his hometown of Nazareth, the people of Capernaum received the Lord in astonishment because of his teaching. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 22 tells us, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The people recognized that Jesus' teaching was different than that of the scribes, who taught by referencing and quoting scripture, quoting other rabbis, but not really of their own self. Jesus taught in, in contrast to that with clear authority. You and I have the benefit of knowing that he was the word himself. This provides a good opportunity here for me to inject this challenge. The events of Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, don't occur in a vacuum. The very reason that so many people flock to hear Jesus teach is actually given to us in chapter 1. Just before Jesus returned to Capernaum, he had an encounter with a leper. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 45, tell us of this encounter with the leper. Verse 40 begins, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus strictly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But it was out in the desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. What we find in this encounter with the leper is a public display of Jesus' ability to heal and also of his compassion towards those in need. The leper had faith like the friends of the paralytic, of whom we will speak in a moment. 
He recognized that if it were the will of Jesus, that Jesus could heal him and make him clean of the leprosy. You see, like all who truly encounter Christ, the leper went away changed. However, Jesus had strictly charged the leper not to tell anyone what happened, but to go to the temple to show himself to the priest, to offer what the Mosaic law commanded as a sacrifice. So this would be a proof to them. As we read, the leper went out and he began to tell people what Jesus had done for him. I kind of can understand where he's coming from. Kind of be hard to remain silent about that, right? According to the Gospel of Mark, it was because of this very event that Jesus could no longer openly go into the towns because of the vast number of people who were coming to him from everywhere. Scripture says from every quarter. My challenge to you is to stop seeing the Bible as 66 separate books with chapters that are disconnected from one another. The Bible is from cover to cover the story of God's redemptive plan for defeating sin by the blood of Jesus shed at the cross. And the whole purpose of that is so that we might be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. See, we cannot hope to gain a clear insight by viewing passages isolated from one another. It's, they're directly connected. It's important that we see that. In fact, I like to say anytime you take a text out of context, you're left with just a con. And so you want to be careful about that. <laughs> Some of us have just finished, as I mentioned, this yearly Bible reading. And I challenge each of you to make this year the year that you read the Bible cover to cover. It will change your life. And I encourage you, talk to us. Pastor just finished it. Steele finished it. James and Elizabeth and I finished it. So talk to one of us. We would love to, to maybe share with you how it's helped us and benefited us and how you can join us in that study. So now that I've tried to work my challenge in here and we've seen the crowds of people in chapter two are directly connected to the story of the leper. Let's see what the story of the paralytic has for us today. Mandated coffee break. First, first Mark 2, 2 verse 2 tells us, And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. See, I'm immediately drawn to the emphasis on the crowd, the people that were there. And I wonder how many people, how many of us, just like them, are spectators. It's abundantly clear Jesus was preaching the word of God. However, there was a great crowd of people there. And I often, I wonder how many of them were there to see the signs and the wonders. How often do we look for that? How many of us seek for what God can do for us? and not for a relationship. What I see is that the crowd seems to be a passive role, at least for right now in the story. I do not want to see anyone here today spend this year as a spectator. I also don't want us to fail to see that the primary role of Jesus' ministry was to preach the word, right? To come and to save us. This, after all, is what we're called to do, to preach the word, to make disciples of Christ. And it's important that we understand that. Church should never become a spectator sport. Our life as believers is compared to a walk, and walking is an action. 
Sometimes all we can do is put one foot in front of the other and press forward. No matter what this year brings, let us press forward apart from the crowd. Second, we see that sometimes we need help from faithful friends to overcome the obstacles of life. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Amen. When they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Mark 2, verses 3 to 4. True faith always produces actions. The act of lowering the paralytic down did not produce the faith of the four friends. It's the other way around. The faith of the four friends resulted, even demanded, action in accordance with their faith. We cannot allow the crowds in this life, the circumstances that we face, or even our own limitations to keep us from Christ. Often we will find that it's hard to press forward, unimpeded by the world and the wares of this life. Sickness, personal limitations, they often leave us in a state that requires faithful friends to help us bear that burden, whatever it may be. Now, undoubtedly, there will be times in our walk when our faith is weak. And we must rely on the faith of those faithful friends, those brothers and sisters in Christ, to help bear our burdens. Sometimes, as in the case of the paralytic, that's a physical burden. Other times, it's emotional, maybe brokenness, distress, financial. There are many burdens that we have in this life. Sometimes we must be that faithful friend who's willing to bear a burden for a brother or sister in Christ. And though we may not need to tear apart a roof to lower a friend to Christ, we frequently will need to go in the other direction. To lift a brother or sister up to Christ through prayer. I have absolutely no doubt that the prayers of faithful people in my life got me through difficult times, times of great need, lifted me to the Lord. Third, we can approach the Lord only by faith. If the four friends of the paralytic had no faith, the crowds would have deterred them. But undeterred, they pressed on, and we must press forward by faith, ignoring the obstacles and the distractions of this world. God is not going to reward a half-hearted seeker. It's only when we seek the Lord with all of our heart that we find him. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 13 records the very words of God, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. While we often must rely on the faith of others, that faith can only help us if our faith is aligned together in accordance with the will of God. I used to think that that verse, verse 5, only spoke of the faith of the friends when it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. I, it could be easy to read that like I did and think that Jesus was healing the paralytic just because of the faith of the other four that lowered him. But that was great faith that they, they possessed. However, notice Jesus says specifically to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. We cannot approach God by the faith of our friends alone. While faith in others often helps and it is needed, 
It's worthless if we ha- fail to have that same faith in Christ. See, I, I clearly see that by addressing the paralytic as son, Jesus is acknowledging that the faith which he saw was not the four friends alone, but it included the faith of the paralytic himself. Can you imagine being drugged there against your will? Obviously, he wanted to go, right? To be healed. Fourth, we can see that Jesus has the power to forgive sin to those who approach him by faith. His declaration to the paralytic that his sins were forgiven provoked a reaction in the hearts of the scribes. And we see that reaction of the scribes beginning in verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned with themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk. Verse 10 says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. See, the scribes correctly reasoned, only God has the power to forgive sins. Proverbs 17, 15 says, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. The scribes knew the scripture well, as it was their job to painstakingly copy it letter for letter. They knew forgiving sin or justifying the wicked, as Proverbs said, is an abomination. That only God himself has that power and that authority to forgive sins. Their error was not in the assertion that that would be blasphemy for a man to do it. Their error was in the fact that they thought Christ was a man. That's the error. Pride in their own understanding of what scripture said and in their own hopes for what a Messiah would come and do and who he would be is what caused them to miss who Jesus truly was, the Messiah, fully God, fully man. Jesus demonstrated to the scribes that he alone is God by confronting them with the thoughts of their hearts. It's kind of a scary thing. He who has the power to reveal the thoughts of a man surely can forgive sins because only God can do those things. In fact, it seems to me, thinking about myself, to be nothing short of boundless mercy to know the thoughts that I have and still be willing to save me. That's a powerful thing. But Jesus makes it clear he has the power to heal. He has the power to deal with the root cause of the problem, which is sin. Finally, true faith results in action. Verse 12 tells us, And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and he went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. The paralytic who had to be carried by his friends to see Jesus, he didn't find any problem leaving, did he? See, his friends carried him there in obedience 
on, in, a, in accordance with the faith that they had. He could have sat there and argued with Jesus and argued whether or not he'd been healed, but he acted, and that's important. He chose to respond in faith. We must respond by faith. Our faith must produce action in our lives. Notice the crowds which once could have prevented that paralytic from approaching Jesus. Again, they posed no obstruction for him to leave. He exited carrying his own bed. The once passive crowd now proclaims their amazement and glorifies God for what had been done. Hallelujah. I hope people see what's been done in my life and glorify God. I hope that people do the same for each of you. In fact, the man the scripture introduces as a paralytic leaves a son. Interesting note. In conclusion, as you and I begin this new year, whatever happens, we must not allow the crowd to prevent us from coming to Christ by faith. We cannot allow others to define our faith or our walk. We must not allow the distractions of this life to get in the way of the action which saving faith actually demands of us. At times, we will be called upon to bear the burdens of a brother or sister in Christ. And when that time arises, we should conduct ourselves in a noble faith like the friends of the paralytic did. That's a noble response to see how much faith they had. But there's going to be times where we need to be carried by one of our faithful friends. That alone is reason enough that we should have true fellowship. It's an important thing. We're commanded not to forsake the assembly of ourselves. There's no such thing as solo Christianity. It just doesn't occur. And thank God we don't have to make this walk a solo walk. We must be on guard to not be like the crowd and just simply be a spiritual spectator. That's something that can be an easy trap, and we have to be careful not to fall into it. But we have to reject the trappings of the scribes, the religious scribes, I will even say it like that, to see only what we would like to see. Let us be persistent as those four friends were. If we must rip off a roof to get to the Lord, let's not let it stop us. Let's do it, whatever it takes in our pursuit of Jesus. Let no earthly obstacle get in the way of that, of that pursuit, of that encounter. And let us come to Christ by faith. May he grant us the right to be called sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus. If you cannot say that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, today there are faithful friends here who would love to share with you from the Scripture how it is that you can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So please don't leave here without doing business with the Lord. Has true faith brought you to the Savior's feet at the foot of the cross? Or are you lost in the crowd? I pray that none of us here today will be lost in the crowd. I'll leave you with this final thought. Will the testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in your life leave the crowd around you saying, we've never seen anything like this? Can that be said of us? I surely believe it can.
I hope it can. That should be our goal. To quite literally, we were talking about the temple this morning in Sunday school. We need to recognize that we are the temple of the living Savior. Hallelujah. Let's give God the glory for the redemptive work that he has done in our life. For the forgiveness. For the cleansing of sin. That's where we truly must do business with the Lord today. Has he cleansed us of sin? Have we submitted to him? Have we come to him by faith? Father, we come to you right now. We thank you, Lord, for the faithful friends that you have put into our lives who carry us, Father, in our times of weakness and brokenness. I thank you, God, that you give us the incredible ability to be able to carry others during their times of weakness and brokenness. What a responsibility it is to be part of the body of Christ, recognizing with humility who it is that we truly are, sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you have come to set the captives free, that you've done a great work of delivery by the power of the work at the, at the cross. Lord, let no one leave here who questions in their own heart who can forgive sins. I pray that people would, by faith, approach you. And I pray that you would bless us this year as we go about the individual things that we have to do, Lord, that we each will go out and, by faith, live our life so that people can openly see it, so that people will say we have never seen anything like this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you.